It's Daily Thunder, the truth of Jesus Christ dished out live every morning from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado with a bit of manly grit and gusto. Find out more at live.ellerslie.com. Now here's Eric Lutie. Uh, so the Gospel Toolkit is, this is going to be an exciting series. Uh, about three years ago, Nathan and I put together a, a system of training people in how to give the gospel. And so we broke up the gospel into 35 tools, if you will, and uh, that if you were leading someone through the gospel, these are 35 things that sometimes someone already has maybe 10 of them already, but there are 35 things that bring about a true change of life. It transfers you from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the dear son. And so it's a, a very significant process that you go through when you transfer from darkness to light. But many of us, we know that there is something called the gospel. We know we're supposed to be giving the gospel, but very rarely do we understand how to do those things. And so what Nathan and I did is we broke these things up into 35 destinations, almost like pieces of real estate. And then when we were training a group, they were called our practicum. We actually had 35 spots on the campus and we walked through it. So it was like a memory thing. So, we, so they could, in their mind, uh, actually walk through all of these 35 stages. It was a really fun project. They made video uh, projects with it. It broke up into like, I don't know, four groups, had four videos that were just hilarious, but it was really fun. It was a great memory technique for understanding the dimension of the gospel. So what I'm gonna be doing on Friday is actually breaking up these uh, tool, uh, tools, if you wanna say it that way, these 35 destinations, these 35 operations of the human soul in, in an interaction with truth so that we can actually understand how to give the gospel. The other thing it's gonna do is you're gonna understand the gospel at a whole nother level by breaking it up into its granular, uh, whoa, did you guys see that? What was that, was that these lights? Oh, those were the ones behind me, and so you're just experimenting back there. Okay, well, I don't know, it seemed like it was in front of me, but that must be how bright it was, huh? Uh, all right, so this first one, so look at, I even put a subtitle in here, guys. I don't want you to miss it. 35 essentials to getting off to a right start in the kingdom of heaven. If you're going to transfer from darkness to light, there's certain things that have to take place in your soul. And, you know, if I said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, well, that about sums it up because that is how salvation is found. But what does that mean? mechanically, what does it mean to believe, to repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? Seems to be the enunciation in scripture, so what does that mean practically? We're gonna start out with piece number one, tool number one, how whatever, I'll probably develop a language as we go through this, but number one is see your need. Isn't that profound? Now, the significance of this is going to be huge. When you are dealing with the gospel of Jesus Christ, and you're dealing with a, a dying world out there, there's a huge problem. People do not see their need for Jesus. As a result, when you come up and say, hey, you need Jesus, they look at you like you're crazy. No, I'm not like you. Maybe you need Jesus, but I'm fine without him. You see, this idea that someone is fine without Jesus is a very common thing. I mean, that starts right back in the garden. Hey, you don't really need that God. I think you'll be fine without him. 
And so it's a very significant aspect of uh, the, the faith of a Christian is, first of all, we all start in this new life by recognizing, yep, we have a problem. So let's walk through that. Uh, my clicker needs to be turned on after all that. Proverbs 14, 12 says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. So there's a problem in man. Something is off. In fact, it's so off that man actually concludes wrong in everything. So we start out with a premise that, you know what? I'm pretty good. Have you ever seen Ray Comfort go on the streets and ask people about if they're good? And basically, everyone thinks they're basically good. You know, say, I'm a pretty good person. It's interesting how we default to that, when in actuality, according to Scripture, that is completely false. And so there is a way that seems right to man, but it leads to death. And the contrast to that that you see all throughout Scripture is there is a way that is right to God, and it leads to life. And of course, the way is Jesus. And so Jesus seems to be the opposite of what we pop out of our mother's womb thinking we need. We don't naturally come to the conclusion, I need a savior. We naturally come to a conclusion, I'm fine. I'm just fine the way I am. So you see a problem here. So as a result, to transfer from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, there needs to be an awakening. There needs to be something that stirs within us as humans to see our need. So two kinds of lost people. Now, there's a lot of ways of breaking down lost people. However, in the most basic sense, when you as a gospel tear carrying the good news of Jesus, you're dealing with two basic types of people. Those that are blind to sin and those that are awakened to sin. You know that there's a whole bunch of people out there that do not have the gospel but recognize that they're sinners. Isn't that an interesting statement? So here I am saying, you need to see your need. Well, there are certain people out there that see their need, but they don't have the hope of the gospel. And so that's a very different sort of person. When you come with the gospel, there's nothing better than to have that fruit just sort of fall off the tree into your hand. Someone's like, please, what must I do to be saved? I need a savior. It's like, whoa, I, I want to talk to you. That's, that's the rarity. That is an unusual thing, but it's there. You go to a prison, for instance, and there's a lot of people that recognize that they need a savior. You go to a hospital where people are on their deathbed and they're more likely to recognize that they need a savior. When you're in a weakened state in life and you've gone through troubles and you recognize that your marriage is falling apart, your family's falling apart, financially you're in ruins, you have a tendency to be alerted to the fact that your life isn't all that you thought it was. And so you're more susceptible, if you will, to the gospel. That's the most positive thing uh, to use the word susceptible for. So first, let's discuss the blind kind, because this is most of the world out there. Most of this lost and dying world is blind to the fact that they need a savior. And as a result, it is important in the delivery of the gospel that we recognize that and know how to deliver the truth. Mark 2.17 says, when Jesus heard it, he said to them, listen to what Jesus says. This is such a fascinating statement. Those who are well or healthy have no need of a physician. Well, if you're healthy, you don't need a doctor. But those who are sick, I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So what's Jesus saying? He's saying that if you think you're healthy, well, then you would never call on the doctor. 
I came for those that understand that they're sick. So unless you see that you're sick, Jesus can't help you. So as a result, this issue of seeing your need, I'm unhealthy, I'm sick, I need a physician, or how about this, I'm a sinner, I need a savior. You see, the idea of a savior only makes sense when you recognize that you need one. If you don't think you need a savior, a savior is a very uncomfortable thought. It's like, excuse me, who's this that's trying to butt into my life and mess it up? Who's this that's that's trying to say, oh, I need them? I don't think so. I'm fine without this. And of course, if you look at Christianity, it's like, yeah, you need to give up your life as you now know it. You need to change. You need to become this kooky sort of person out there known as a Christian. No, thank you. Why would I do that? Unless you understood that there is no other way to salvation. So the parachute illustration is a great one. If you've ever heard uh, Ray Comfort share, I think it's called the Ten Canons of God's Law. I don't know if any of you guys have ever heard that. It's an old uh, video of Ray Comfort, which I would highly recommend any of you guys that are hearing this right now to look that up. I think it's called the Ten Canons of God's Law. And and canons in that is with two N's, C-A-N-N-O-N-S, so like the military device that shoots cannonballs. Uh, But in that video, which I remember seeing years and years ago, he gives this illustration of the parachute, okay? So this this plane is is flying along and everyone's, you know, uh, buckled in and just sitting back and maybe trying to take a nap or working on their laptop, you know, it's just just a normal flight. And uh, some guy comes uh, walking down the aisle with parachutes and he's offering uh, for you to wear them. And uh, it's like, why would you put on a parachute? And of course, this, this parachute is like one of those old uh, World War I types of parachutes too, you know, that just is massive. And it like has a big, you know, most of the parachute is right under the rear end. So it's like, could you imagine sitting on that thing? This whole thing would just be miserable. And so he's carrying him down, hey, uh, would you want a parachute? This will make your life better. And if you try and bring a parachute to someone who's flying in a plane that is just sipping their coffee, enjoying the, the plane flight, They're gonna say, not on your life. That would make me look like an idiot. That would make me uncomfortable on this flight. So then he contrasts that with a different mode because a lot of us as Christians deliver the gospel like this will make your life better. You'll have peace, you'll have joy. Uh, You know, all your problems will go away. And that's just not the way that we approach a soul that is blind to their need. So what you have to first explain is that this plane is headed towards a mountain. And in a matter of minutes, it is going down. It'll go, it'll explode and you with it. However, if you have this parachute, before it hits, there'll be an opportunity to jump. Now suddenly that person's perspective towards the parachute completely changes. Because now the parachute is seen as a savior to them as opposed to an inconvenience. So when we try and deliver Jesus to a generation, and it comes across as only that which will enhance their life, instead of you have a need and you need a savior, you recognize you're gonna run into problems. So this is the equivalent of saying to someone, look, the plane is about to hit a mountain. There's a pending judgment, and that's why you'll see preachers throughout history that will preach on hell, <laughs> which is a very uncomfortable. As, as a pastor, I, I recognize how uncomfortable it is to preach on that topic. It's very, and I, I've done it multiple times, by the way, Even the night before I will preach on that topic, there is such a weight in my soul. When you stare at the realities of hell and understand the wrath that is to come, I mean, it is a sobering thing to the soul. It like alerts you at a whole nother level. And you're just like, God, I just wanna make sure that I am right with you. That's all that matters. It's a really interesting thing that it does in the soul. 
The wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. Quote, unquote, Paul the Apostle. That's a fact. The wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. If you remain in your current state, there is a wrath that is coming. Okay, so that, that, that can sober you up pretty quick. Now listen to uh, Paul in, in the book of Thessalonians. Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Here's the parachute, guys. You see, if you know that you're about to hit the mountain in that plane, the parachute makes sense. Now, I, I have a picture of a, one of those World War I parachutes <laughs> just to sort of show you. Now, that'll teach you, any of you guys that are only hearing this in the podcast, you're missing a really good picture here. Uh, it's a really awkward-looking thing. Could you imagine uh, sticking that on? You're on a plane. Everyone else looks normal, and they're, they're trying to look cool. You know how people try and look cool on planes? Like, I've been here before. Like, when the stewardess is, uh, is announcing, like, all the you know, seat belts things and, the, you know, the emergency uh, procedures, they'll, they'll read their magazine or their book, and like, I've heard this before. I don't need to listen. So everyone's trying to look cool, right? And you're wearing that, okay? You're not looking cool. I remember seeing one of those uh, in, in one of those uh, little, oh, I forgot what they're called. Usually United Airlines has them, but they sell a whole bunch of goodies in the, uh, oh, I wish I could. Sorry, guys. This is, this is a terrible illustration because I can't remember what. It's a magazine with a whole bunch of things for sale that are cool. And well, one of the things is like some pillow that you lean forward on. So it like blows up, so you blow it up while you're on the plane, and it fills all that space between you and the seat in front of you, and then you lean like this. And all I can say is, it looks about like this, okay? So if you're trying to look cool, you don't want that pillow. That was one of my first thoughts when I saw the pillow. It's like, okay, I'm not getting that. It would be nice, it'd be probably be more comfortable, but there's no way I'm looking like that. That's about what this would be like. So why do people not put on the parachute? because they don't know that there is a coming judgment. Either that or they don't believe that there's a coming judgment, or either that is they don't believe that they will be judged. They believe that they're perfectly fine, and if God was to look at them, he'd say, yeah, they're pretty good. So this is where something called the law of God comes in. Now this is very, very important for us to understand. When I say law, most of us sort of wriggle, and we say, oh, well, that's, that's bad. You know that the law is perfect? The law is perfect. Now, I understand why we wriggle. As New Testament Christians, in other words, that we are founded in the new covenant of Christ's blood, we are no longer under the old covenant system. So we are not under law. But that doesn't mean the law is, you know, disappears. It's still the standard of Christ's behavior. It's still who he is. This is who he is. And we are actually under a higher law now called the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. But we are not under law. In other words, we do not gain access to heaven by keeping law. We gain access to heaven by faith in Christ Jesus. So when I bring up law, it can be a little uncomfortable. It's like, hey, why are we talking about that? Well, there's reason. The law of the Lord is perfect, it says in Psalm 19.7, converting the soul. So, in other words, when someone is blind to their sin, what do they need? They need to be awakened. They need to be alerted. They need to be converted. They need to be changed in their thinking. Here, stick on these glasses. That's what the law is. It's like a pair of glasses that shows you a reality that you didn't see before. It's like, whoa, yeah, put these on. You'll see things that you can't see just in your normal eyesight. Whoa, there's sin all over the place. Wow! In other words, it awakens and alerts the soul. So the law 
is perfect, which is an amazing statement for those of us that are a little uh, sketchy on the whole law thing. Converting the soul, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. So in Romans 7, Paul is discussing the idea of the law and how it works on a soul. And he says, sin, that it might appear sin, was producing death in me through what is good, so that sin through the commandment, or the law, might become exceedingly sinful. So if you don't have the law, you know that you don't recognize sin? You don't even know it's sin. If you don't know that stealing is a sin until the law comes and says, thou shalt not steal. And now suddenly you're like, whoa, whoa, I, I, I'm a sinner. That's right. You see, the law awakens you to sin. It shows you your need of a savior. Why? Because if you understand that there's wrath to come and it's coming on those that are sinners and then you recognize I'm one of them, oh no, then suddenly you're more alerted to the fact that I think I need some help. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. You see, the law is actually bringing guilt. I know it sounds terrible, which is why it has a bad rap on it, but that's its purpose. You know that it says the law is a schoolmaster which leads us to Christ? It's a teacher. It's training us something. It's training us that we are guilty outside of Christ. We have no hope in this world outside of that one source of redemption. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh, no one, no one of us will be justified in God's sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. So how would you know the knowledge, how would you have the knowledge of sin unless you have the law? The law is saying, here's what sin is, and then it concludes for us, and you're, one, you're a sinner. You have a problem, you need a savior. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So remember how I said there's two types of lost people. There's those that are blind to sin, and there's those that are awakened to their sin. So, and men, many of you in here actually could have had a season where you didn't yet have Christ, but you were broken over sin, and you were weighted down. Do you remember the story of Pilgrim's Progress? You have uh, Christian, who's this, this character from the city of uh, destruction, and he is alerted and awakened to his sin, but then that sin is going to drive him to the cross. And that's an important process that we go through. But first, you must be awakened and have that burden. You must recognize that, wow, you have a crime. This crime is so significant that it separates you from God for all eternity and will lead to eternal hellfire. Wow, that's a big deal. And when you are awakened to that, that doesn't necessarily mean you've called out to Jesus. Just because you're awakened doesn't mean you have believed and so as a result, is one toting the gospel. We're ones carrying the gospel. So we come up to someone and they are blind to their sin. What do they need? They need the law. That's actually uh, what they need. They need to recognize their sin and the coming judgment. They need to recognize this plane is crashing into that mountain very soon. Do you have your parachute? If someone is already awakened, they don't need law. You know that you give grace to those that are already humbled? You see, the proud need to be resisted with law. They need to be awakened. However, God gives grace to the humble. You see, the humbled, through their sin, they are broken. What they need is the grace of God. So typically, 
there's, you're going to see two different patterns. And people will argue over this too, of what is the best way to share the gospel. And some people will say, you have to give the law. And they're right. And then some people will say, guys, you need to give love. And they're right. However, it depends on who the audience is. In other words, if someone is arrogant and proud, they need law. If someone is humbled and in the dust, they need love. And so, like when David Wilkerson would go on the streets of New York, he had a whole bunch of gang members and their lives were in ruins, tatters. And so his main chief operation wasn't to give them law. It was to give them the love of Jesus. And it worked, guys. I mean, it was powerful. And throughout history, just like what you see with Ray Comfort, what does Ray Comfort give on these college campuses when he's dealing with all these intellectuals? He gives them law. And guess what? It works. Okay, so in other words, it's not that one is better than the other. It depends on who you're talking to. It depends on if they are blind or if they are awakened. And so we as gospel tears are carrying the life of Jesus. And that what our desire is isn't to give law necessarily. It's, that isn't my great agenda when I wake up in the morning. It's like, I'd love to dish out some law. No, I want to dish out Jesus. However, if there's something that's standing in the way between that soul and Jesus, what am I willing to do? I'm willing to bring in the big guns and blow that wall away with the law of God. In other words, that's because I love them, I will give them what their soul needs so that they can be alerted and awakened to the realities of Jesus Christ. So what about the awakened? Remember John 3.16? People will hold it in like football stadiums behind the uh, goalposts when someone's kicking a field goal. John 3.16, and I'm guessing then people look it up. I'm not sure what the strategy is there, but maybe that's what happens. It's a very critical scripture that every one of us in here probably knows well. But this is what you give. When someone is ready and they are broken, you know what they're ready to hear? God loves you. In fact, he loves you so much that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Hey guys, God loves you so much that he gave you a parachute. If someone's like, we're gonna die, we're gonna die, the plane's crashing, there's no hope. Hey guys, God loved you so much that he gave you a parachute. You know, it makes total sense. You don't need to hit someone like that over the head with, yeah, you are gonna die. Uh Uh-huh, it's happening real soon. How are you feeling about it? They don't need that. In that dark moment, what they need is hope. And if someone is ready for the hope, that's exactly what you give them. You give them the gospel. They are ready to hear that there is a parachute just for them, fitted just for them, and it will save them. It is designed just for them with them in mind. So Titus 3, we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. Or we could say for this message, acting cool on the plane. But when the kindness and the love of God, our Savior, toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. Through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. You see, that's what we need to hear when we are down recognizing that there is no hope for our soul. We need to recognize that Jesus has expressed a mercy in our direction. He has considered our need and made a way. The use of law is only to deal with the arrogant. 
It is to deal with that crust of pride that blockades the ability for someone to hear and to see their need. When someone sees their need, hey guys, it's Operation Grace. We move immediately into the mode of showcasing the love of God expressed abundantly, beyond a measure any of us can comprehend, to rescue each individual soul. So, I don't know if you guys caught the entire concept of what I was saying, but as we go through this gospel toolkit, 35 different stops, it's just the first one. Obviously, if you don't see your need, you'll never hear the gospel. You'll never understand the gospel. You'll never reach out to the gospel. That thief on the cross, there's two. One did not see his need. I mean, out of all the times in, in, in that guy's life, he should have seen his need while he was hanging on the cross next to the Savior. But one of those thieves, he saw it. He's like, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He knew that he was a sinner. He knew he deserved a just penalty. And he turned to Jesus in that moment. And so for all of us, we need to, in our own life, recognize our need. And by the way, that's not just a beginning point in the Christian life. Did you know that it's one of the number one exercises you'll ever have in your life is to constantly remember that you need a Savior. So today, how are you going to live this life well? Well, you need a savior to do it because there's going to be temptation. There's going to be attack on your life. And can you fight off that attack in your own strength? No, but I can remind you of someone this morning who can fight it off. And so what you want to do is hide yourself in him afresh. You see, we as Christians live on this plane of life in that uncomfortable backpack, in that uncomfortable parachute. And we look sort of funny to the world. We really do. And so people come to us like, what are you wearing that for? Let me tell you why. We need to have an answer for why we look so funny and why we're wearing our World War I parachute in 2019. It is sort of an awkward question, isn't it? And yet, we understand our need and we understand the efficacy, which is a really great word, which I'm just throwing it out there because it's a good word, the efficacy of his shed blood, which means his ability, the ability of his shed blood to save us in the coming judgment. We know that we have everything we need in Christ Jesus for salvation. Daily Thunder is a production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training and the Bravehearted Media Group. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and see it once again gain the stride of the Spirit emboldened and brave. The Daily Thunder video stream can be watched live daily at 8.15 a.m. Mountain Time, Monday through Saturday, and 7.15 a.m. on Sunday morning. Join us at live.ellersley.com. Please consider booking a stopover at the lovely Ellersley campus at the foot of the majestic Rocky Mountains for one day, one week, one semester, or for an entire season. We hope to see you someday soon live and in person. Thanks for listening.